Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with women in the arts. Good morning, you are listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, your Saturday morning fix of art, politics and trash from a feminist perspective. I'm Tanya Ali. And I'm Katie Winton. Uh, Agenda on FBI Radio is broadcast on Gadigal land and we'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people as the original custodians of the land that we broadcast on and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the significance of Redfern as a place of strength, resistance, knowledge sharing and storytelling for many communities and we'd like to honour that history. An organisation called FIRE, which stands for Fighting in Resistance Equally, are actually holding a rally today that starts at Town Hall at 1pm to call for real justice that will end violence against Aboriginal people in custody. The protest looks at the disproportionate way in which Aboriginal people are targeted by the criminal justice system in Australia, from the police to prison officers to judges which is an inherited bias from colonial times so you can head to town hall for the stop black debts in custody rally at 1 p.m today so coming up on the show today we're speaking to academic and writer astrida namanis and surreal showgirl obscene beauty queen and sex clown betty grumble to hear about hacking the anthropocene 3 which is a free conference happening on may 18 at the women's college at university of sydney We'll also be joined by Sydney artist Lupa J. She's teaching a class on electronic music production as part of Music New South Wales Women in Electronic Music Masterclasses happening today and next Saturday as well. Applications have closed for the classes, but we've got some spots to give away, so stick around for more on that. Such a great program today for Women in Electronic Music. Um, it's also Mother's Day tomorrow, and we just wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to everyone that has a family structure, whether it's biological or logical, that doesn't really align with the dominant narrative that's advertised literally everywhere for Mother's Day. Literally. (laughs) Um, Not everyone has a mother in their lives and days like Mother's Day can be a really tricky time for some people to see the messaging around so much value placed on the nuclear family. Uh, So we want to ask you to text us with the people that are important to you or the people who are your mentors. 0409 945 945. Or it could even be animals that are important to you or someone you don't know or look up to and respect. I think there are like so many different ways to acknowledge how matriarchal guidance can happen. One person who has definitely <laughs> provided us with matriarchal guidance this week is Solange Knowles, who disrupted the whiteness of Catholic iconography at the Met Gala on Tuesday, wearing a do-rag with the words, My God Wears a Do-rag, to accompany her incredible Iris Van Herpen couture dress. The glossy black dress is an archival piece from Iris Van Herpen's Fall 2012 couture collection. The designer is known for using unconventional materials like recycled plastic and cutting-edge technology technologies like zero waste 3d printing which is amazing so cool trust solange to be supporting the most sustainable fashion at the met gala uh we'll deep dive on the met gala a little bit later in the show in thoughts that count and also in light of rihanna breaking the internet with photos of her pope outfit our resident astrologer nikki liakos has given us a breakdown of rihanna's astro chart today to share with you um nikki can't make it in so we're just going to be doing that breakdown ourselves um it was also nikki's birthday yesterday so big shout out to nikki happy birthday yes happy birthday nikki (laughs) 
Um, maybe the biggest Met Gala news of all, though, is Grimes and Elon <laughs> Musk publicly announcing that they're dating. The couple allegedly met when Musk tweeted the words Rococo Basilisks and near nonsensical pun riffing on the AI <laughs> thought experiment Rocco's Basilisk, which hypothesizes about the likelihood of a future artificial superintelligence killing those who didn't help to bring it into being. He discovered that Grimes actually made the same joke three years ago <laughs> and reached out to her. Do you think that Elon Musk Googles all of his pun jokes before he makes them? <laughs> um, also, I just love that Grimes had already made the joke three years earlier. Again, matriarchal guidance. Yes. <laughs> um, friend of Agenda and Elon Musk correspondent Courtney Sanders thinks that Grusk <laughs> definitely bonded over cosplay and LARPing. So she speculates that they spend their spare time well building a futuristic universe and then dressing up in costumes and battling for the future kingdom with their friends. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Courtney. This is the track that brought Grusk together. It's Grimes with flesh without blood.
Thoughts that count. Agenda on FBI Radio. You're tuned in to Agenda on FBI Radio and we've been chatting about the Met Gala on today's show. Some of our favourite looks as well. So we're asking you today on Thoughts That Count, what was your favourite Met Gala look and why? Text us on 0409 945 945. It's such a tie for me. Like Cardi B, Rihanna, uh, Solange, Cesar. Like they were just... I don't know. Everyone was just at 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. Uh, so the theme for this year was Heavenly Bodies, Fashion and the Catholic Imagination, which saw Rihanna dressed as a Pope, Katy Perry as an <laughs> angel, which was like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like Katy Perry tried to steal Rihanna's limelight and it just totally didn't work. Yeah. Um, like Also Solange, who was inspired by Black Madonna, St. Heron and African Saints. It was really cool to see celebrities well, some some celebrities disrupting the overwhelming whiteness of Catholic artistic history. Our fave, Issa Rae, wore cornrows and beads designed by natural hair expert Felicia Leatherwood, who wrote on Instagram, I tried blending her heritage of West African with the angelic theme of the gala. If you look closely at the beads, you will see the continent of Africa. Another really amazing look was from actor, writer and producer Lena Waithe, who turned the somewhat questionable theme on its head, especially in an LGBTQI context. Um, she wore an incredible rainbow cape paying homage to her identity and the LGBTIQ community and basically looked like a really badass queer superhero which was so good. So good. I was extremely here for that. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of criticism of the church which is a little bit surprising in light of a lot of recent celebrity activism at red carpet events. It might be something to do with the Vatican's involvement in the theme uh, who sent its Sistine Chapel Choir to New York to perform at the gala and also sent over some guest priests. Yeah, pretty good PR move from the Vatican. (laughs) Um, Although I'm not sure how they would have felt about Rihanna dressed as a sexy priest. I feel like that would have definitely gotten a lot of uh, Vatican criticism. Definitely. (laughs) And speaking of Rihanna, our resident astrology expert Nikki Liakos couldn't make it today for her segment, but she did send us a rundown on Riri's birth chart, (laughs) which we're pretty excited about, Katie. Yeah, so on today's astro segment, uh, Nikki is focusing on Rihanna's astrology and why astrology is more than just your sun signs. So she sent us through some comprehensive information on Rihanna's sun and moon signs and Venus aspect as well, which, yeah, yeah. super interesting. I, yeah, I'm, I'm learning so much today. Uh, so you might be familiar with your sun sign, which is usually what we refer to as our general star sign. It's the one that we know since we were like a kid. Um, and when astrologers talk about a birth chart, they're talking about your moon sign as well and your Venus sign, your rising or ascendant. The list goes on. Essentially, all of those aspects take into consideration many elements of an individual's personality. So astrology really isn't as general as some may think. It's only super generic if you're just looking at your sun sign. Yeah, your sun sign in astrology symbolizes your individuality. Um, and Nikki says that it also symbolizes your sense of self. And she's told us that Rihanna's sun sign is Pisces. And she has Rihanna has a tattoo behind her ear to prove it. Um, <laughs> and it makes sense because apparently Pisces is a sign that rules music and creativity. So a lot of astrologers have noticed that many of the people in the entertainment industry have strong aspects with Pisces in their chart. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, on the other hand, a moon sign is indicative of your emotions. So 
So the voice in your head, your instinctive emotional nature. And Rihanna's moon is in Aries, which means that her emotions are shaped by the characteristics of Aries, shown through uh, a need for independence and an assertive streak, which, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, it's all about exciting and challenging experiences. So as well as sun and moon signs, there's also your Venus sign. Uh, the Venus aspect tells us a little bit about why we receive or how we receive rather uh, love or express affection. Uh, Rihanna's Venus is in Aries, which has the characteristic of being impulsive. So like charming interactions, loving the spark. Sometimes monogamy is difficult for these people. Um, they like lust and they don't want that new period of lust to end. So when you look at the compatibility between people, you should also really consider their Venus sign. Nikki says it can tell you a lot about what you both want in relationships and how you both like to be treated. So Nikki is asked whether you think Rihanna and Drake <laughs> are meant to be. She notes that they're both water signs. Do text in with your thoughts on 0409-945-945. Personally, I think Rihanna and Drake are potentially the furthest thing away from meant to be. Drake is such a sad boy and Rihanna is the leader of matriarchal guidance. <laughs> I think the theme of this show should actually be matriarchal guidance. Uh, to be with you no reason not to be next to you you next to me holding you you holding me time again I want to see the way you look at me I could be away from here with no one just you what I want is you
You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, and we're joined now by Estrita Neymanis, Jennifer May Hamilton, and Betty Grumble to hear all about Hacking the Anthropocene 3, a free series of talks happening on May 18 at the Women's College at the University of Sydney. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, so I guess first off, for people who maybe aren't too familiar with the Anthropocene, uh, can you tell us what it is and how it kind of intersects with feminist thinking? Well, I'll go with the <laughs> definition of the Anthropocene and maybe Estrita can take off the intersection. Um, so the Anthropocene, if you haven't heard of it, is the latest buzzword in academia, <laughs> but it's also a, the name of a new geological age. So we're ostensibly in the Holocene, but the idea is that humans have made so much kind of, um, so many holes, so many new stones and rocks and glass that the new, there's going to be a new layer on the Earth's surface. Um, anthropo, like human, the, the human epoch. Mm-hmm. And the idea, of course, here, perhaps from a geological point of view, that there are these humans and then there is this earth that we're now changing. But mm-hmm. from a feminist or queer or decolonial point of view, we want to ask which humans are doing the changing mm-hmm. and which humans are being affected by these changes. So really thinking much more closely about all of the different ways in which stratification, one of the favorite words of geologists, actually is also happening within human communities and between humans humans and more than human communities too. Incredible. Uh, Jennifer and Estrita, you've kind of co-curated an incredible group of artists and scholars for this event. What went into putting the lineup together? Wow, that is a question that we're <laughs> talking about at the moment. It was, it's been a really interesting process because the social, uh, Shark, the Sydney Social Sciences and Humanities Advanced Research Centre funded it. And um, we invited scholars from around the world to come and we wanted people who were writing specifically about desire um, and also about these questions of politics and difference. So um, we really just, I mean, there were so many people you can choose from and Shark was, has so generously supported it. So we really were just focusing on um, trying to bring together the people who are talking about those topics. And in some ways, it's a weird mix, right? Like we have, um, so for example, Jackie Troy, who works at the University of Sydney and has been really instrumental in thinking about Indigenous education and its integration at the university. And then we have people like Betty Grumble, you know, so um, who we're going to hear from in a second. Um, So it's kind of sometimes doesn't seem like all of the people who fit together who work on everything from, say, Indigenous education to, you know, queer ecologies to um, feminist theory to, you know, art practice and food. But what brings them all together is we're all trying to challenge this idea about, you know, who is the human in the Anthropocene mm. and what do those humans or that human, what what do we want? I just, yeah, I wanted to add one thing to that because this idea of what do we want has that multivalence, like the what do we want that, what do we want, when do we want it now kind mm. of protest cry, but also want being desired, sort of libidinal. And there's, you know, it's overlaps there and there's also tensions there. So I think that's why we have such a, an eclectic group of people because we're trying to 
to deal with that dual valence of the term want. Yeah, Betty Grumble, uh, your work, hi, (laughs) your your work as a surreal showgirl, obscene beauty queen and sex clown. How does that kind of relate to this idea of like, what do we want? And that kind of intersection of desire, but also the protest cry. Yeah, the protest cry. Well, you know, Betty Grumble is a kind of ongoing little protest cry, a little protest party. And uh, I, I, Betty is uh, an uh, an ecosexual. So that is somebody who um, wants to uh, interrogate where their body begins and ends. And also to quote ecosexuals, Annie Sprinkle and Beth Stevens, uh, tries to reposition uh, the idea of earth from mother to lover, which kind of dismantles this kind of top-down hierarchy of patriarchal oligarchs that we find very ungroovy, um, kind of tries to (laughs) agitate that. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to come on board and use my body as a little site to discuss these things. And uh, I'm also a big believer that pleasure is a radical act. So that's what um, some of the attendees will be bearing witness to, some of my musings on that. Can you give anything away about Ooh. the performance, or do we have to do we have to wait and you see? Know, a quick peruse of my socialist media will see that I've been doing some um, printing, uh, so I'm going to be conducting uh, some machinery, some printing. I'll become a bit of a cyborg myself on stage, um, but take it back to the organics of my internal bleeding being. Uh, there'll be a bit of um, pussy printing uh, and the likes, and also some um, you know traditional cabaret meets a static punky performance. Sounds wow. amazing. <laughs> yeah, cannot wait. Um, Estrita and Jennifer, can you talk a little bit about each of the roundtable discussions that you're holding as well? So you've got decolonizing feminist environmental humanities first up. What? What? Yeah, unpack that a little bit for us. That could also take a while, yeah. um, but just in a very uh, few words. Um, like a lot of uh, disciplines in the academy, this new area of thought called environmental humanities um, is, is very white, let's just put it bluntly, right? So um, although a lot of the ideas that people who are scholars within the environmental environmental humanities, so thinking about ourselves as in kin with a more than human world, thinking about care for communities that are you know, ecological, these questions have obviously been questions that have circulated in Indigenous cultures for long before environmental humanities humanities was a twinkle in anybody's eye. So we're really interested in how those conversations can happen in a productive way together. And um, so to use another kind of word, thinking about environmental humanities as an intersectional area of thought as opposed to something just for white male scholars. Uh, And you you kind of mentioned in the event description that this format will disrupt the kind of conference format a little bit. So kind of what, uh, I guess, what went into creating the lineup or kind of creating it because you also mentioned food and the importance of snacks which I find um, really important in everything that I do (laughs) so I just wanted to ask you what was the reasoning behind trying to change up the conference format a little bit well, hacking the this is the third iteration of hacking the Anthropocene, and Estrada curated it by herself in the first instance. And the idea, if I may mm-hmm. say, was to I suppose just get away from that conventional paper format where you have your introduction and your points of argument and your conclusion and your PowerPoint presentation, and see the ways in which knowledge can be both produced and communicated 
in different formats, be it sort of visual art, like through multimedia presentation or through smell or through audio or even through little installations around the room and how those things can come together to kind of produce a different conversation and in some ways a more open conversation because I think there's something about the conference paper format which is seems to be to be a little bit more hierarchical like you learn the skills of the essay and the argumentation and then you can you have the authority to communicate the idea whereas in hacking the anthropocene we can play with that a little bit and if you haven't you know mastered that art so to speak you still can communicate big ideas um so so it is really just about the way in which you think best to communicate your idea be it through turning your body into a cyborg printing machine or singing a song or making a little video or um, pass, passing out biscuits or passing <laughs> out that's right. snacks. sharing yeah. snacks vegan, that's right vegan biscuits, we got back right. to snacks. Vegan biscuits. <laughs> um, but in in this uh, hacking the anthropocene three actually hasn't been planned yet in a way well we're having a retreat with the people who are going to be uh, presenting over the next week and um we've all written contributions to this sort of thought project and in over the next week we're going to see how those can be translated into different kinds of hacks right mm -hmm. and importantly I think we call these things propositions you know they're not arguments they're not essays they're not you know this is my plan for the future it's this is what I propose like how can this little proposition from a feminist or a queer or an anti-colonial point of view interrupt this Anthropocene machine that's mm -hmm. right now sort of taking hold academia and other kinds of discourses so many things to think about it sounds so the event is happening next friday the 19th of may and it's free mm. to attend it is free and i do believe it's the 18th 18th the 18th of 18th, may it sorry. is the 18th of may <laughs> and and there are still a few free tickets available you can go onto eventbrite and click in hacking the anthropocene 3 and you can get yourself a ticket Fantastic. Thank you so much for telling us all about Hacking the Anthropocene 3. Up next, we're chatting to Lupa Jay, who'll be teaching a class as part of Music New South Wales program, Women in Electronic Music Masterclasses, alongside Habits, May Lin and more. This is Habits with Gerja. Uh, we'll chat to Lupa Jay right after this.
Curated by Music New South Wales to showcase women in electronic music.
Listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, that there was Kimchi Princey's latest single, Diaspora Doll, uh, produced by Corinne. Uh, we are now joined by Lupa J, who is teaching a class on electronic production today as part of Music New South Wales Women in Electronic Music Masterclasses. Lupa J, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Tell us about the class you're teaching. Um, well, today I'm going to be focusing on using 
instruments or vocals um, with electronic production because before I got into producing electronic music, I was playing violin um, primarily and I thought I was going to be a classical violinist. And so, yeah, I kind of got into electronic music through figuring out how to, I guess, put effects on my violin and kind of turn the violin into a kind of electronic sounding thing. So I'm going to be talking about that and demonstrating some stuff that I can do with that. Basically. That is so cool. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I played violin for eight years in primary school. Oh, wow. School, and then I decided that it wasn't cool. And then Aww. and then I got a little bit older and realized it was actually really cool. Yeah, little did you know. Been too, <laughs> too far gone. Um, we've actually got some tickets to give away to some of the masterclasses happening today and next week. So please text us on 0409 945 945 with your name and membership number, your FBI Radio membership number to head along. Uh Lupa J, what do you hope that people will get out of your classes? Um, I guess basically to just realise that making electronic music like by yourself is a lot easier than I think people seem to think it is. I mean, making music at all, like was like making my own music was quite a daunting thing when I started, but I guess once I figured out how to use like violin and things that I kind of was already like used to in songwriting, it became quite easy for me. So it's kind of just about like using things that you're confident with um, to, yeah, make music, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. you've taught a bunch of classes, actually. You've taught classes as part of Ice Parramatta's All-Girl Electronic Program, which teaches skills (coughs) in electronic music production for young women in Western Sydney. Could you speak on why you think these kind of programs are important and why why you are so involved in them? I think classes for girls learning electronic music are really, really important because I guess... Up until I saw, I mean, I say this so much, but it's like, it's very true. <laughs> I saw Grimes um, using electronic gear in her and setups and like basically like seeing her, um, just videos of her playing live on her own with like all this gear. I kind of had this, I don't know, like false image in my head that like electronic music was just like male DJs and people that like, it sort of just seemed like a world that I couldn't break into. And then seeing Grimes and there are a few other like artists like her around the time when I was 15, like just doing it all themselves. I think Rainbow Chan was another one actually. Like, yeah, she's amazing. And it kind of made me realize that I could do it too because it's like seeing someone that's like you, you can identify with them and realize that they're no different to you really. So I think it's really important for these classes to be put on because yeah it's so cool to see like all the women in in Sydney that are doing this at the moment well maybe now Elon (laughs) Musk can fund Grimes to (laughs) run some of her own masterclasses Uh, if I could just put that out into the universe um, (laughs) Tesla can fund some women in electronic music (laughs) workshops Uh, (laughs) how do you do you think that the music industry in Australia could be more supportive of emerging female and non-binary electronic artists and producers I definitely think it could be because what I've been thinking is that there is this like quite a big problem with the imbalance of women and men and non-binary artists that are being featured on radio stations and in festival lineups and stuff. And I think the problem really lies around the fact that the music that's popular um, in Australia right now is not... It's kind of like music that's traditionally dominated by white male artists and the music that I think is being made by um, the more marginalised groups of people like women and non-binary artists is kind of more experimental and I think... That's just the nature of of how it is at the moment, I think, in Sydney. And so really what needs to happen is um, I think that radio stations, et cetera, have to take more risks in the kind of music they're putting on because 
all the like I guess female producers and non-binary producers and stuff that are making amazing music are making music that is kind of that that rests outside what is kind of in right now and so yeah I think people just have to get a bit more experimental with the kind of music that they will promote I think. Yeah it's an (laughs) interesting culture that we're in at the moment I think because there is this really strong call out culture on festival lineups Mm. and you know there's a lot of noise being made I guess but it's like where do we take it from there? You know, yeah. like what are the steps that we can take? Everyone, not just kind of, you know, festival lineups, but as you say, radio stations and, you know, everyone that's kind of disseminating music and listening to music, I think. Yeah, yeah even just what's like covered online and publications and things like that. Lupa J, you released your EP, A House I Don't Remember, late last year. Yep. What is next for you? Well, I've actually made an album or I'm still sort of working on it but the majority of it is there and I've got a song that is ready to be released as a single it might be happening quite soon I can't give you any dates but basically yeah I'm aiming to release the whole album by early next year and there will be some new stuff coming out very soon so exciting (laughs) uh and you're playing at the mother ball tonight I'm not playing I'm just I'm just attending Kim she is, and yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Fake yeah. news. Yes. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about Motherball, though? We'd love to plug it. I know it's on at the Addison Community Center. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So it's a fundraiser for Benji Ra's transition surgery. Yeah. Um, and there are a whole lot of artists playing, and there'll be voguing, dancing, all this stuff that sounds really exciting. Yes, yeah, so I think there's like. Go check it out. Yeah, sick, like Filipino food yes. as well. Yeah. It does sound like a really, really yeah. lovely night. Yeah, Benji actually came on FBI the other morning to chat about it so definitely uh, look back through FBI's website and find that one on mornings because she spoke really well about yeah, all the things that she's doing because she's amazing (laughs) Um, we've actually got some tickets to give away to some of the masterclasses happening today and next Saturday, text us on 0409 945 945 with your name and FBI radio supporter number and big shout out to Andre Shannon who has won uh, themselves a, a spot, we will be in touch Andre and also Andre says Grimes is my idol so <laughs> relevant yes <laughs> so relevant to today's show Luke J thank you so much for coming on and having, for having me <laughs> you haven't tuned into Agenda uh, Ted Dwyer's up next for weekend lunch catch you next week Ooh.